We think twice about consumer insights based on speculation. We bust buzzwords and unlock insights from the latest academic papers and thought pieces. If you want to learn about the world around you whilst listening to elevator jazz music, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Think Twice. Today we're speaking to the Simon Richardson, creative strategist at Amplify, which is the brand experience agency of the decade. He's also a musician. Whoop whoop! Simon, what do you play? (laughs) Um, Bit of this, bit of that, you know, nothing altogether that well, but loosely you could use the term musician, I guess. Bit of the triangle, bit of the recorder. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Bit of the spoons. Bit of the harp, Ronak. Yeah, I wish. I, mm, yeah, I am actually a harpist. I love that. I have that. to confess. Is that on your Instagram? Is that your Instagram bio? Yeah, it's I am harpist. I but, and it, that's not actually a joke. I do, I do have two harps. What grade? I'm only grade two, and I gave up about ten years ago. <laughs> so I don't know if I can actually say that I'm a harpist now, but I think it'll always be a part of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say you're probably more of a harpist than the vast majority of people out there, so you can you can be proud about that one, I think. Oh, thanks, Simon. Yeah, I don't think you're not a harpist or you're a harpist. It's more like um, what's it called? It's a mindset. It's way a way of life. It? It's a, yeah, exactly. It's a way of uh, it's a way of life, and I think that you've really attuned. <laughs> to it uh, <laughs> so I really just wanted to do that um, but no it's, it is genuinely really impressive like um, I like, uh, pulled it out when she was drunk on her birthday and started playing the harp to me and it was it was very special yeah I serenaded Perla we had a bit of a moment <laughs> so what do you play Perla? oh shut up Ron. Um, I'm grade 4 I beat you I'm grade 4 recorder yes I actually sought after those private lessons. You know, you have the like normal lessons with the class where you just play, you know, any old rubbish. I um, actually went to my mum and said that I was talented and I needed private lessons. <laughs> That's quite you. <laughs> I'm yeah. talented. I need she, she self, <laughs> she self yeah. believes. She believes in herself, doesn't she? That old Perla. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Bit of a humble brag. Um, yeah. leading with the grade rather than the instrument there when you answer that question. <laughs> yeah. I I, it's so anticlimactic. I'm grade four in the recorder. Do you think I should start with the recorder and then impress people, wow them with the grade four next time I talk about it? Yeah, because I think people probably don't even think you can go that high on the recorder. <laughs> you can get a bass recorder versus a normal recorder. Did you know that? No. I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm going to add that image link to the notes so everyone could directly go onto it and see what a bass recorder looks like. It's really a fantastic bit of instrument. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough about, you know, us playing instruments. What about, you know, we love watching live performances, but obviously with the current climate, it's definitely taken a hit. Um, have live performances restarted? Um... Well, I guess, like, to, to some extent they have. There's been a few sort of toes dipped in the water in terms of getting back to getting back to live. Um, I think, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's been some driving experiences across culture and kind of music oh, yeah. and comedy. 
It's always nostalgic films, though, isn't it? It's it's never like a new release. I find I don't know. Mm. I've not seen it, uh, but it's always. Is it just film, or have you seen any other kind of drive-in experiences? Um, there's been some music ones that I've seen. Not personally been to them. It's all a bit weird to me, and I don't have a car um, at the moment, so I'm a bit limited in that respect. Um, <laughs> I know that there's been like UFC fighting. Um, or MMA in drive-throughs. Oh really? My girlfriend's brother's a, a an MMA referee, so he's had the pleasure of refereeing one at one of those events. Wow! Um, oh, wow! So yeah, I think there's been quite a lot, and then also in terms of this kind of like uh, return to the kind of festival arena, there, there's been I've seen experiments in creating these kind of socially distanced elevated pods in a field. For people to kind of enjoy a, uh, a slightly sanitized festival experience um having not been to one of these i can't really comment on how, yeah. how well they replicate that that kind of live thrill i was um, gonna say that like, i haven't actually been to a live performance since like in 2020 or before covid um, oh yeah i don't My- know if- people would be as I don't know part of me wants to but then I think it might be a bit sad I don't want it it to be tarnished tarnished forever like uh, my 2020 was so filled with music like I I saw like Charles Gambino I saw Drake I got it free at work I was very very happy about that and I also went to Glastonbury and then to then come into this year and like kind of have a budget not budget as in it's cheap but I mean like (laughs) a half like a a, just a half half <laughs> like a half hour experience without all of that kind of what's the word like intense intensity uh kind of warmth but i don't know the, the the real special feeling that you get when you are um, a live experience or live music event i just i don't know if it would be the same yeah i think like that's why like if you're building live experiences for a brand or, or whatever it might be you need to you need to kind of throw out those expectations of the old um, and build experiences that are fit for now so like obviously like take the example maybe of something like a punk gig like that's the essence of those kind of experiences really lies in like the human contact and the kind of getting sweaty and doing all of these kind of like interactions that are completely unacceptable in a kind of COVID um, reality. Um, so then it's like looking at the kind of playbook of what of the things that you have at your disposal that you can safely do in terms of an, of an IRL experience and then making sure that's as good as possible rather than trying to recreate something that's kind of out of reach, if that makes sense. Can I- can I ask a question, actually? Yeah. You can, Ronna. <laughs> Before we go on to the questions, what do you think the future of the mosh pit is? Ooh. Do you think the mosh pit is dead? It might be dead, you know. Um. Well, I mean, like, I've read countless depressing articles about how after this pandemic we're set for bigger and badder ones due to the way that we're treating the planet. So <gasps> if that's true, potentially. Um. Although, like... I imagine that in in a sort of uh, in a, in a hopefully near future where we have vaccines and stuff, we can get back to um, stuff like that. But yeah, um, I don't think that the kind of visceral experience of that can be replaced by 
like digital experience, for example. So like, I think that there will be a want for that. I know, like, I don't know if you guys were following this in the news, but like the kind of resurgence of illegal raving under yes. COVID-19. Even um, in the real depths of lockdown in like April, there were th there were people like um, Love Island, um, like ex-Love Island contestants who were all meeting together and taking photographs and filming themselves at illegal raves mm. and actually showing all their followers kind of that it was acceptable to do so. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, but that was pretty disappointing for me. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously raving in this context has the added like subtext of doing things that are harmful for society as a whole um, but I think like in the 90s it is born out of this kind of frustration from like like just oppressive conditions obviously in the 90s and stuff it was well not too dissimilar to now um, minus minus a kind of like um, killer pandemic um, but I think it just shows that the passion for those kind of experiences like can't really be suppressed and yeah. even if it is even if, even if it is life-threatening it shows how people how much people need that sort of outlet in their lives do you think it's making people crave it more in a way because it's not it, allowed yeah it's like forbidden fruit <laughs> yeah i mean definitely that could be an angle um i think also just like the kind of mass screen fatigue, screen fatigue even that people are feeling um, living their lives on, on one screen um, like this whole thing of, of you sit and do your working hours and then you sit and watch your Netflix or whatever and talk to your friends on the same screen and you barely move like I think that is pushing people yeah. to, to go and re fatigue. reclaim those tactile experiences Good yeah screen. exactly Good screen okay. versus bad screen, but it's always a screen. So it's like, oh. Always, it's always a screen in this day and age. Yep. Okay, should we move on to the first question? Yep. So yeah. So this question it. is from Alban, and he asks, what can brands do now in times where we must socially distance to replace big and crowded live events? Yeah, Simon, you've done some pretty cool work with um, Doc Martens, haven't you? Which is really, really interesting. Yeah, so we've been working with Dr. Martins for a while um, on their culture platform, which is called Dr. Martins Presents. Um, and uh, like a lot, a big part of that had been live experience. Um, kind of music is obviously intrinsic to the brand and what it stands for and what and it and its kind of cultural history. Um, so and also particularly live music is kind of is a, is a really important important part of the brand who they are and um, obviously without that we've had to kind of uh, work out a kind of pivot solution um, so that we can keep communicating the brand's purpose to its audience but without this kind of um, IRL experience arm of what we're doing um, in that case in, in the case of Dr Martins like because that stream of work is all about communicating brand purpose um, that, that purpose being supporting emerging um, creatives and emerging talent um, and helping them realize their kind of creative visions. That is something that we've thankfully been able to keep going with throughout um, this pandemic. Um, because obviously creative opportunities and um, 
uh, for, for artists, particularly in music, have been few and far between um, with this lack of live. So we've been looking at other ways to support them. Um, and that's taken various kind of forms um, over, the, over the past few months. Um, we've helped people kind of create new EPs, film music videos. We've done live streams in the kind of absence of, um, of, of gigs and, and mosh pits. Um, like taking to Instagram to kind of reach uh, audiences and give them that kind of uh, live music experience in, the, in another way. Um, so yeah, like there, there are ways to keep going, but I guess like the most important thing is to question like why you were doing those live events in the first place. Yeah. Um, for Dr. Martins, it's because it's true to their purpose and it was about giving artists this platform as well as fans for another, another way to enjoy and connect with those artists. I think if you are looking at stuff like festivals, you need to be thinking like, what are we losing out on there? Like, is it mass sampling opportunities? Is it like huge brand awareness or like, just really drilling down into what it is you're trying to achieve. So oh, can... not at all. I don't think it like I just with the whole brand awareness and stuff. I feel, feel like brands would think like that. But like, I remember like um, before I went to Glastonbury, people saying that oh, it's, this is the most amazing festival of your your entire life. And I just you know started being you know scoffing. I scoffed. I was just like, I've been to a festival before. Like, chill out. Like, can't be like good. Like, literally, please chill out. And then I went to Glassbury, and it was honestly when I say it was one of the best weekends of my entire life. Like, I'm not joking. And now I'm one of those annoying people that talks about how good Glassbury was. But it's just, mm. it's because they create a world um, in there. You just don't even feel like you're in your life. It's really amazing. It's not just the music. You can go there and not listen to any music at all, which is yeah. also the crazy thing about it. But I guess, like, um, what I mean by that is, like, say a brand was to appear at Glastonbury, like, they would be doing that to hit some objective or another, and whether that's kind of, like, aligning with musical talent and shifting brand perception or getting eyes on your brand by all of the people that are at that festival um, or getting them to trial your product or whatever it might be. Like, I think what you're saying about the consumer angle of like, what is missing for the consumer without festivals is escapism and yeah. like these kind of moments to like cut loose from reality, um, yeah. perhaps at Glastonbury. Um, I think that that's, a, that's an opportunity for brands to fill in um, and to offer those kind of experiences in a, in a, in a world where they're not necessarily possible. Um, yeah, that's so, yeah, so true. So you think like the da the effect for the brand isn't as damaging as it is for the consumer consuming a festival because I, you don't get that escapism angle, but essentially the brand is still getting a message and awareness out there. I guess what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is like if you're a strategist approaching this problem, it's like festivals have probably been a kind of regular part of brands like marketing activity for a long time they would always rely on coming around to these festivals and that's like not necessarily just um, music festivals or creative festivals that could be like in the world of brand to brand marketing stuff like big expos and um, 
conferences and stuff like that that are again not possible at the moment so then yeah. it's like you need to re- revisit the objectives and start thinking like how can we how can we continue to plug this gap in like uh, a non-IRL world and then it's like looking at ways to migrate that digitally um, but then also uh, there is a big opportunity to fill the void in a cultural sense for an audience that is like there's a real hunger there for that kind of experience um, because people can't get back to it so like I think that's a massive opportunity for brands to yeah. um, to start to like work out how they can do that digital obviously being the obvious kind of channel to try and do that and there have been some great examples of people kind of offering similar experiences and some not so great ones what do you think of the good one? did you like travis scott's concert in Fortnite? and also anderson pack who quite recently did it as well but not as a character rather his actual real life concert just playing on a screen within the game like do you think that's a clever way to connect with people that otherwise would have just been at the concert or do you think you know just it doesn't it's not the same and there are better ways to do it um like i'll admit the travis scott one was the first one that i really was like this is fucking amazing like yeah um obviously like that was really clever because it tapped into something that has a lot like it's an ip that has a lot of weight behind it it's got a humongous captive audience there Um, But also, like, as an experience, it was so unlike anything I'd really seen before. I know that before Travis did it, there was, like, high-profile people playing in Fortnite, like Dead Mouse. But the Travis one, just in terms of an experience, in terms of how it was designed and the the creative concept behind it was just so immersive that it genuinely did make me think, oh, maybe there is a non-IRL future for live yeah. event experiences i guess visually it was like really stunning as well mm. like you want to yeah. keep watching it which is a really important element yeah. it's really rare like on um, games i find like it i find it gets tiring kind of digitally i can't really sit through an entire instagram live of even my favorite artists I, I i don't know if that's just me though i got a bit it's not the same for me well, i think but- there's a sense of people feel a bit fatigued with it because we're doing it so much and yeah. when people started seeing each other in real life they were so used to these zoom calls and like instagram lives that maybe it dipped slightly um, yeah but yeah. it's weird because we've always had stuff like the, the little tiny desk concerts you know that like youtube series where you can watch uh artists kind of do a private concerts. so we've always been interested in that but is it just a case that we want what we can't have now that we can't go (laughs) like no no to these tiny concerts please i want the real thing (laughs) well i I think yeah like uh, that was the immediate kind of response to this from in in music was like uh wave after wave of like badly filmed uh instagram live performances um and that's always been something that we've tried to steer away from um in the case of Dr. Martins, we have done Instagram lives, but um, our head of broadcast, uh, Adam Hayhurst, uh, who was ex-BBC and is, has kind of come to Amplify to bring kind of new thinking and innovation to the to our to our broadcast um, offering. He kind of he worked up this really interesting way to kind of uh, elevate those Instagram streams. So 
he worked out how to do it with multi cameras, with like proper lighting, oh my God. and like just like little little differences like that. I think make it go a long way towards wow, like great. standing Wait, out from like a sea we'll, of. We'll, we can link that in the notes as well for this yeah. podcast. But he wants to watch it. He broke Instagram. Like he just like did something that Instagram doesn't really allow you to do. Like, yeah, he he sort of broke incredible. it. Um, but maybe we should keep that one on the download in case they <laughs> in case they block us in the future. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think Instagram. To be fair, no Facebook or Instagram representatives They're are not listening, listening to us right? yet. <laughs> yet. But yeah. I'm sorry. When we blow up, they I will one day. Because, yeah. Well, they might they might end up headhunting him to sort out their platform. <laughs> oh God! Shade, absolute shade. <laughs> <laughs> that actually brings us on really nicely to the the second question. It's from Laura. Yeah. Um, what can we be cre- what can be creatively developed to replicate the connection between crowd and artist in a virtual space? You actually wrote something very nice, didn't you, Simon? Uh, an article. Back in <laughs> you April. sounded like you sounded like a mum then, Perla. <laughs> no, Thanks, I Perla. genuinely. <laughs> you wrote no. a very nice article. It was lovely, you, wasn't it, Simon? No, genuinely, it was a great article. I, I did genuinely read it. Making connections during crisis. You genuinely read it. I'm so. I genuinely I'm so read it with my own two eyes and I took something from it and I and I tell you what time and it was very well written and I really liked it let's go through it shall we <laughs> um yeah I guess like um so in terms of connecting artists and fans like that's obviously like that's something that the audiences demand um especially younger audiences I don't know if you guys read through the dazed and confused um youth report that they put out recently um yeah but they can also link to that too yeah they they just had an interesting new kind of model or structure for the way that influence works between creators and their community and it's very much like a two-way street these days yeah. um and i think like platforms like instagram are great for that in terms of like that's one great thing about an instagram live for example is the level of interactivity and the the, the kind of dialogue that you can create between um, a performer and an audience. Some artists are really, really good at it. Like we've got like Lil Nas, his whole career has been founded upon, like, like founded upon, like created on top of like Twitter tweets. He's like, should I re- release this or this guys? And things like that. And also like um, Arlo Parks, which I know you've also, you, you used her for Dr. Martins, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so that you was can amazing. Sort of collaborate with your fans using these platforms. You have yeah. to be good at it, don't you? Some are really bad at it. And also, like, I mean, what one of the interesting kind of uh, behaviour changes that we've seen during this uh, crisis is that, um, like, the creativity of the of audiences has te- definitely taken up turn, and um, mm. like it's not just the kind of creators or the influencers or the artists that are the ones like that are like wanting to flex their creativity and actually contribute to like the development of something like every everybody under the sun or at least when lockdown started started exploring new talents whether that's kind of picking up the recorder again or learning how to like bake some bread but like it, it gives like opportunities in terms of that ex- exchange between an established talent and their fans like more than something basic like a Q&A or um, just like a, a, a 
a basic dialogue like you can actually start to introduce like stuff like skill sharing and and you can like add layers to that to that interaction i think and because like the ask for the audience doesn't necessarily need to be low the barriers to entry have been bulldozed by covid19 i think to an extent that's so true like i think it was kind of happening with just the emergence of social media anyway it was kind of breaking down the barriers but as you said like covid has kind of broken that down even further yeah that's really really sure everyone has a lot more time that they're spending online and it doesn't seem like that much of an ask to sort of drop in on your favorite artist and comment Mm. on what they're doing and i know Um, like um there's been some interesting um I don't know if you guys saw the weekend, the thing that uh, he did with Spotify, where it was like a sort of AR experience for his his new record, um, where he kind of yes. like it was a, that was like an interesting interaction I think between um, artist and fan. Obviously, it wasn't real, but it was it was powered by data. So he was talking to the fan about the kind of his content that they loved, and um, so that like. like areas like that are really interesting i think to explore yeah for sure did you hear like what stormzy did as well really recently how he released his latest um album or not album song yeah Yeah, in like cartoon forms it's another way of just like thinking about your audience isn't it it's just i thought that was really amazing i really want to know who his marketing team are jealous yeah completely (laughs) um so sophie our head of strategy amplify um her partner is a teacher and he was at one of the schools that Stormzy phoned up and like the kids were so made oh up about God, it. Oh my God, that's amazing. But like those experiences are stuff that people will remember for the rest of their lives. So like that versus your kind of like carpet bombing, get as many interactions as you possibly can is kind of like you can't put a value on it because it's like especially yeah. for brands involved like they will think kindly of that brand probably for the rest of their life and um, yeah, for, for, sure. for bringing so, that connection yeah it's also so weird because you also ended your article with you know like what happens on the other side and i still think it applies to now even though you wrote it um like a, like right at the start of this whole whole thing you know, will we see digital hangouts and live streams as an acceptable replacement for IRL get-togethers? Probably not. Probably not. And I still think that's the case. Yeah. yeah no, it is, isn't well, it? Def- definitely. Um, I mean, it's something that we've been thinking about a lot, Amplify, is just like what that next model looks like. And I think broadly speaking, we think it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay for brands to adopt a hybrid kind of approach. So... Is something that we've preached about for a long time is like um in real life experiences can be experienced by only a kind of as many people as you can fit physically into into a space um but we've always been looking at ways to amplify that beyond the venue and um, so to speak uh, so it can be enjoyed and experienced by a much wider uh, group of people online and um, with oh, Dr. Sorry. Martin specifically, <laughs> no, don't worry. You know how Dr. Martin's really appeals to different subcultures and it's quite yeah. like a rebellious brand. Do you find it difficult to translate that into like digital experiences? Because I guess like what we were saying about like mosh pits and getting sweaty, it is quite hard to sort of... You're obsessed with mosh pits, right? <laughs> <laughs> how many have you been in? <laughs> 
I mean, yeah. I mean, no comment. The, the particular example of a mosh pit is obviously hard to recreate. Um, <laughs> bringing it back to the mosh pits. Yeah, always, always. Yeah, I was just thinking like it might differ a lot according to the brand which you're working with as well. Like, yeah, so- but I mean, like in the case of Dr. Martin's, it's like we would always just keep interrogating like what does the what does the consumer want and in the context of what they're able to do and what what is also beneficial to the artist because like obviously they both want to be back in moshing and crowd surfing or whatever if they are uh, in that world um but without that being possible like what is what are the other areas that we can look at to help them both um, and deliver experiences that will elevate their current situation um so yeah like it's not about recreating things that are out of out of like aren't, that aren't possible sorry it's a new experience yeah and it's about being audience or just just one built for the, these times yeah exactly yeah and saying that wonder? Yeah, I was about to do a really smooth transition there, Ronna. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> do you want to do it? You can okay, do this one. For it. So question three. Do you think people will be put off going to a festival if they come back soon? Or will everyone be fighting for tickets? That's from Frankie. Um, should we do our predictions of who, who do, we, do we think Glastonbury is going to happen in 2021? I don't. Sorry. Unless there's a um, vaccine, I don't think it's going to oh, happen. I have tickets this year, and it's the first. It would be my first year. Yeah, but you want it to be good. You don't want a half-assed Glasgow. You don't yeah. want a poor man's Glasgow. <laughs> I mean, like a music festival's probably right at the one end of the uh, live event extreme scale, in terms of like um, something that's probably scary for every producer that is responsible in terms of COVID safety. Um, yeah. I think when they are back, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't hazard a guess at when, but I think in terms of like the, cons- like the audience behaviour when they are back, I think like people are going to be in two camps. There's going to be the people with all this pent up, like desire to get back and like have tactile experiences again and see their mates and do drugs and drink and get like just get back to normality. There is also yeah. going to be people, and I know lots of people, like my friendship group is definitely divided like this. Like there are people that are going to tread a lot more cautiously. They might be shielding, they might have health concerns. Like, And I think like you've just got to be conscious of this split in in behaviour that we are inevitably going to see. Like, I mean, you, you, you just need to look at the pubs reopening to know that there is going to be a sizable amount of people that want to go and get leathered as soon as humanly possible. Super Saturday. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then I know, I know, like I work, yeah. we work with lots of people. Amplify that are a bit more cautious for whatever personal reasons they might have. Um, yeah. And then, like, it becomes the case of of offering those ex- of those different entry points to experience for people that maybe don't want to go straight back in, mask off, top off, like. <laughs> throwing pints around like i love how mask off um, is the most risky thing now that covid's about like get, shut your, off mask it. Off. get, your, get mask your mask off for the lads <laughs> you, <laughs> you want to offer people levels of entry that they're comfortable with that's um, what, i never actually thought of that you know yeah it's, it's true it's like coming back to work in a way but in a different in a different environment 
Yeah. I know you did like a you, uh, Amplify did a webinar, didn't you, really recently on on this topic? Yeah, exactly. Uh, on this kind of like some thinking from um, from some people at, at Amplify on how to how to navigate that that transition back into IRL. Um, and I know that there's lots of there's really interesting opinions in there from some of our producers and some of the people that are responsible with actually bringing this stuff to life. The people that have taken copious amounts of COVID training, so they know how to do it now, but they've also got one eye on the future and in in terms of how things might develop. So I think that's something really interesting to look at. Um, but yeah, it's just something that that everybody. Uh, in this industry is going to have to be super nimble and agile like just in terms of like because we also might go into lockdown soon it looks like um, yeah. and there might also be another pandemic around the corner so it's just like you can't just throw out just throw, throw out all these new learnings um, and go back to the old ways because the old ways are, are gone really yeah and it's also a thing when you're thinking about uh, comms and how you talk to people you don't want to shame people for not going full whack into these festivals you don't you know you don't want to you want to be sensitive to kind of every segmentation of the audience that you were previously speaking to with with festival goers yeah it's hard to get the tone right in a way because you don't want to be too like pumped up and excited yeah because we are in a global pandemic at the end of the day lots of people have lost their lives and lots of people have lost their loved ones so like yeah i mean like it's a sensitivity is key like you say has that been something you've thought about quite a lot at amplify as well yeah i mean uh not to harp on too much about dr martin's but um no please do bring it back bring it back to the market <laughs> their their audience is very progressive um they obviously we started thinking about what the comms how they would have to shift with covid19 happening um, and then we also saw the kind of explosion of social uh, movements for, for kind of societal progress like BLM, which is another yeah. thing that we had to just like think carefully about what messages we were promoting. Like the world is just like, <laughs> is in a real state of flux, yeah. uh, particularly for youth audiences. Um, and it's something that everybody that is putting out any, any form of comms should be thinking um, twice about uh, to drop your podcast name in there. Oh, oh thank nicely. you, Simon. You can, exactly... you can come back, Simon. <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> it is no, it's so true. I think as well in this day and age, we've come really um, used to reacting too fast and just retweeting, reposting things that we don't even know about, or doing the due diligence and researching and things like that, which is yeah. weird because we've got a lot more time to. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do and you don't. Like, it's like, it's one of these things that every brand will feel pressure to react to things. And BLM is a great example of like the kind of wave of black squares that took over Instagram and like lots of marketing managers feeling the need to follow suit, um, which again was something that massively divided opinion. Um, yeah. There's going to be that like appetite to to be responsive especially on social media but like you say like you you do need to think about things um especially when they are so sensitive um yeah. as, as this kind of like because there are also things that are sh- 
um, the, the, nothing's localized anymore. Like we're everybody's sharing this same same experience of this pandemic, and likewise with something like BLM, is a globally shared experience now. Yeah. So like you are you risk the you risk alienating everyone or like um rather than rather than just sort of small pockets of people yeah. um, if if you get it wrong because the reaction of brands normally is just to stay stay out of it stay out of it stay out of it but with BLM it was the first time in a long time where staying out of it was probably the worst thing you could do you have yeah. to kind of think of a considered response and i mean also again if you're dealing with a youth audience they will they will write you they'll, off as, as a brand you. if yeah, you definitely. if you don't have something good to say like purpose is more important than ever having an opinion like a valuable opinion and also playing a role is more important well, than ever a lot of people were sharing like to be silent is to be complicit and that yeah. included brands as well didn't yeah. it yeah but not just you know posting something on on instagram it was more like you know rethink are you hiring black people are you you know making are you making a difference because these brands have a, you know have a lot of money they have a lot of clout that they have influence that this is why we do what we do we we are kind of influencing culture in a way so yeah they absolutely had a, had a role to play and uh, yeah i mean like not to derail this conversation about um festivals and music experiences <laughs> with like um politics but i think in the aftermath in terms of what's next like it it will be a politically charged environment that brands are going into and like culture is something that's intrinsically political um, yeah. or, and like woven into society in very political ways um, so I think like just any brands operating in culture need to make sure they've got their ducks in a row and uh, understand what their role is and make sure it's a beneficial one that's a really that's a fantastic note to, to end this chat on thank you so much Simon um, do you have one if there was one takeout from this episode, what would it be, Simon? <laughs> if someone skipped to the end, Simon says. Simon says. What does Simon say? Um, I think like Simon says, <laughs> if you're trying to, if you're trying to, if you're trying to like dig- do a digital pivot for a live live event, um. You need to understand why you're doing that live event in the in the first place, and then also play to the strengths of this new platform that you're you're playing on because it doesn't offer the same experiences that the live arena does. And then I think when it comes to returning to um, IRL, you need to think about those kind of differing audience behaviours and cater to as many people and as many different reactions to to that return to normality as you possibly can. Wow. Um, and then I did have something else to say, but I think I've forgotten it now. Oh, the- <laughs> oh yeah. So the, the other thing is, because we don't know wh- where all this is going to go, and we may end up with a more, an even more fucked situation than the one we're in currently, um, you need to be as agile as possible and have these kind of like hybrid solutions that are, you can go digital, or you can go IRL, or you can go a mix of the two. Um, as 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 appropriate and as dictated by the kind of the lay of the land, um, th- that would be my three key takeouts. Three takeouts. <laughs> no, I love that. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you so so You're much. I'd really enjoy that. I remember to think twice. <laughs> <laughs>
And then you can brief once. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>